Mac Power Users, Episode 53. Workflows with Bob, Dr. Mac Levitis. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. How are you, David? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Katie. You're, you're surviving the, uh, the grueling uh, crunch time here? Yes. Uh, late June and July is the crunch on the new iPad book, so I'm, I'm keeping pretty busy right now. Well, I, I think we have someone here who can maybe sympathize with you a little bit, and, and you've got some catch-up to do. Yeah, so uh, we've got with us today uh, Dr. Mac, Bob Levitis, who's uh, one of my favorite Mac writers and a really nice guy and a super guitarist. <laughs> Welcome, Bob. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, I listen to your show uh, regularly. I have a million things in my menu bar if you ever want to do one of those. I'm a minimalist with the dock. <laughs> I don't put anything in the dock that isn't running, uh, and I hide it. And um, I'd love to write a movie, and I'd love to use the script. There you go. And I'd love to learn mark Markdown or Markup or whatever it's called. I'd love to do all these things if I ever get time. Unfortunately, we're going to talk about this, but I'm stuck with Word. It doesn't matter what I want, because if I had what I wanted, I would use something else. Let's get that out of the way right up front. I would be happy to use Scrivener or, oh gosh, just about anything, <laughs> except that my publisher refuses to allow such things. And I think we've talked, you guys have talked about the back and forth, the round trip. You know, you just can't do it, you can't use pages if your publisher demands that you work in Word. It doesn't quite yeah. work yet. Well, well, we're going to get to those tools, but first let's just tell everybody who, who's not familiar with you. What uh, do you do? Yeah, you're the computer uh, columnist for the Houston Chronicle. Yes, I'm one of. that. Uh, we actually, the Houston Chronicle, uh, have more than one. I'm the cool one. Oh, really? I'm the cool one that gets to write about cool stuff. And then there's an... You're the yeah, Mac and then guy? An, well, I'm the Apple guy. And then there's the other guy who writes mostly about Windows... So there's <laughs> there's more than one computer columnist, but I'm the only Mac computer columnist or Apple. And you've and Bob, you've written over it was up near sixty books now. Well, I just finished Apple related stuff. Yeah, well, mostly. I, I wrote books like Stupid Windows Tricks because Stupid Mac Tricks was a hit, and the publisher said, "Hey, you'll make more money if you do a Windows version." So I hired a ghostwriter, and you know, my name's on it, <laughs> but. As Dr. Yeah, Mac? Yeah, my name, my name is on it as Dr. Mac, but my friend Ed Tittle wrote him because he was a PC okay. guy. And, you know, I've written a few books with Windows or PC in their title, but not very many. Out of 60, I'd say maybe five. And that was when I was yeah. desperate. That was in the, the old days when Apple was still referred to as beleaguered. Yeah. When you were starting to worry about the next gig. When I was thinking, I wonder if I could be Dr. Internet next. Dr. Dr. Linux. Oh. But, but how did you get your Dr. Mac name? You also do some consulting, yes, right? Yes, the Dr. Mac thing was all a publisher's fault. When I started out in this business, I, I started out, I, you know, I got a Mac in 1985, a Mac Plus, and, and I was doing desktop publishing stuff. And... It, it just I've used the Mac for this ever since. And so I, I, I started out with this magazine, 
And my publisher at the time was Addison Wesley, who has since been absorbed by someone else, and I think they're part of Pearson now. But they were a little educational publisher, and somebody from Addison Wesley approached me at Macworld and said, I love your columns in the magazine. I was the editor of Magazine. I don't know. You guys are probably too young to even remember Magazine, but we were, we were around until 1989 when we were acquired by Macworld and Eaton. Uh, Sadly, I do remember Magazine. Come, you're not yeah. that, you guys aren't that old. Anyway, so I was doing that, and somebody, somebody said, you want to write a book? And, and my answer was, how much money does that pay? <laughs> how long does it take? How many words do I have to write? And then, what should I write about? And this person who was at the time the acquisitions editor for uh, Addison Wesley is now my agent and has been for 21 years. But she, she called me up and said, I want you to write a book. And I said, I've never written a book. I've never written anything longer than an article, like a column, uh, or maybe a feature, a review, 3,000 words at a pop. How many in a book? Oh, I don't know, 75,000, 100,000. Don't worry, you do it a little at a time. <laughs> you know, each, each chapter is just, if you think of it as little bites, you'll be able to. So I said, okay. She said, what do you want to write about? I said, how to become a Mac power user. I swear to God, I have the proposal. Oh. I want to write a book called... <laughs> right. How- You've got the trademark on it, too. We owe you some well, money, Well, I don't said, we? I want to write a book called How to Become a Mac Power User, and I want to talk about all these great things like Font DA Mover and desk accessories that change your life and how to get by with one megabyte of RAM, things like that. And, and they said... David, are you adding these to the uh, show list of things to talk about? There you go. They yeah. said, oh, good. Write a proposal. I wrote a proposal. They accepted it. I wrote the book, and when it came out, the title was Dr. McIntosh. And I have been Dr. Mac ever since. So that was the title of my first book, and that's kind of how the name got hung, hung on me. And it's a good nice. name. Yeah, it is. I agree. <laughs> I, yeah, it could have been worse. I mean, they could have changed the title of the book to stuff you need to know about max and then i'd be like dr stuff or stuff guy could have been yeah, worse they, yeah. no they did a good job i'm happy they did it and you and i think maybe start. and i think maybe power user would have been a bad word to put in the title of a book in 1985 or 1986 oh when we came out with this show people were telling us it was a mistake yeah that was something we really struggled with and is it a show for power users? Because then is everybody going to say, oh, no, it's, it's, it's too, you know, if you don't do Linux in the terminal or whatever all the time, are you not really a power user? Or is it a show to make people, to help people become power users is, is how we build it. So Well, that was the title of the book, How to Become a Mac Power User. That's what I wanted to tell people, all the stuff that we, like, geek out about, like yeah. keyboard shortcuts that really are cool. <laughs> yeah, and Discovering was- a new keyboard shortcut. Wow. And that was the start, and now here you are at 60 books. Amazing. So, David, the title's still available for your next book. What? How to Become power a Power user, user. How to Become a no, Power right. User. That's Let, Let's talk about how you, uh, how you write books on your, on your Apple technology. Yes, I am a big outliner. I, I start outlining. Um, when I write a book proposal for a new book, a book that's – a lot of my books lately have been rewrites. You know, iPhone for Dummies. Uh, it's in its fifth edition now because, you know, each time new iOS or hardware comes out, 
we update the book. So a lot of times I'm not writing an outline or a table of contents up front. But when I do a new book, when I start you know, from scratch, like the first editions of those books or the first Mac OS X for Dummies, I, I would outline obsessively. I would rearrange things and you know, put things in put things in containers and say, okay, here's all this stuff I got to cover. I don't know what chapters it goes in, but I don't want to forget it. So I put it over here. And I just love the, the outline. I've always loved the outline uh, metaphor. I've used probably every, every outliner ever. Um, and I think if I had a choice, I'd probably use Omni Outliner for all of this. But since it's going to have to be written in Word, and if I do some of the styles while I'm writing the outline, it's less work later. You know, it's like all the headlines turn into headlines. They stay as level one headlines. And I don't have to really do much touching up. That said, um, Word's outliner is, you know, purely mediocre at best. Yeah. But it's good enough for what I need. And, and so I outline in Word usually. Um, I used to use a program called Inspiration a lot which was a visual outliner. It would let you do your outline, and then at the click of a button, it would turn it into a flow chart. And yes, so you I, could look, I remember that app. It was really cool, and I really liked it because it was a lot like doing mind mapping. But it, it, I ended up wasting a lot of time, not getting a lot done. Being in an outline, because your book ends up being chapters with topics and subtopics, an outline is a, a very natural, I think, form for putting together the the skeleton of the book, the way the flow uh, will go. So I, I, I always outline in something, and because of the requirement that I use Word later, um, usually I just do it right in Word. Now, what version of Word are you using? Are you using the, the latest and greatest, or yeah, you know, you like the old throwbacks? Uh, I think if I had my druthers, I, I'd be using the one from Mac OS 9. <laughs> which was fast. Not going to run online. No, and it, but, but, you know, I mean, back in the day when it wasn't quite so bloaty. But I have a fast Mac. I have a, I have a Mac Pro. And, and I also have a MacBook Pro, and it runs pretty well on, on both of them. I don't have a problem with its performance. Um, the interface is, is, doesn't bother me anymore. You know, I, I used to think <laughs> like it was really... Well, it was really <laughs> ugly... In, in the first couple of Mac OS X versions, at least now it's not horribly ugly. It's just uh, just busy rather than busy and ugly. To my friends at Microsoft, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Right. Well, and, and I've said it before. I think that this 2011 version really is the first contender, you know, Office application for the Mac. It seems like they kind of were were taking it off for the last two versions. They you know they were leaving features out and they never got around the Intel switch. It just seems to me like last year was the first time that Microsoft Office really came back to the Mac and a, a working uh, computer. I think so. I think they really put a lot of effort into the 2011 update, and it shows. You know, it's pretty much the same. I, I, it's funny because I taught Office for. Windows, believe it or not, at University of Texas. And the reason I could do that was they were really very, very similar, so similar that teaching Word, Excel, and PowerPoint wasn't really a challenge for me. I, I got a PC, I got a copy of it, and I figured out what, what menus were different and what keyboard commands were different. But everything else was pretty much the same. 
So I, I, I think 2011 is the first time we've actually not only had parity, but had some features that aren't available on Windows. So I think they are thinking of the Mac as, as uh, more strategically important. I think for a while the Office was uh, an afterthought, let's say. I do wish that uh, Microsoft would adopt the Apple uh, core uh, technologies and, you know, the uh, Cocoa framework stuff. Uh, it seems like they no, can't well, do no, that's happening. Well, they can't, they can't accept that. You know, they don't use a lot of the tools that every other developer uses because they feel like, I don't know if it's a, a pride thing and they feel like they have to do it themselves. They can't just accept the way that every other app works. They want to build their own dialog box or whatever. And uh, if they would just, you know, go with the flow on that stuff, I think it would be a better app. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. That's well, I'm all I like can you. say. I'm, I'm kind of like you because I, you know, my, my publisher, the stuff I write ends up in Word. And, uh, you know, we do track changes and stuff. And, well, I've tried, I've tried, I have tried to get these people on pages or, or just to like share a Scrivener file, but it's just it's just not going to happen because it's a big company and it's got to go through some system. But I, I make it harder on myself because I write everything in Scrivener, and the very last thing I do is I just export that Scrivener file and into a Word document, and I go and I quickly add the formats and send it off. But I spend as little time as possible in it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I wish I could, you know, but because so much of it ends up being done, in, and to make matters worse, a lot of these updates, they send me back the previous Word files as yeah, the backed out text to start from. Yeah, so, so if it's a second edition, you're, you're, you're already in Word. You're starting in Word. Yeah. I'm starting in Word. I'm starting with a Word file to be updated, yeah. And, and there's just, there's no equity in it for me to spend time uh reformatting or even you know applying no. styles in a different app and i'm jealous of guys like you and david wayne who keep stuff in text form until they have to format it i'm really jealous because that was that would be how i do it if it weren't for the fact that everything pretty much i mean I, my newspaper column i suspect they don't really care what i turn it in in but they've asked me to turn it in as a word file so you know they're not tracking changes but I could probably get away with pasting or saving out of pages, and they wouldn't know the difference. But book publishers would, and it's just not worth learning another word processor so I can use it to write my column. Yeah. Well, at, at this point, because you're, you're so ingrained into the word system, which I can relate to because I have to use it in my office, what, how, do, how do you collaborate, I guess, amongst, between yourself, between your multiple Macs, between your MacBook Pro and your Mac Pro and because there isn't a version of Word for the iPad or the iPhone. It's just the desktop version. That's right. So I can't really edit my documents when I'm away, but I use uh, Dropbox. And so I have the latest version of all of these files on all of my uh, Macs and devices pretty much in real time. So if I'm away and I don't have my laptop and I feel like I want to look at a chapter, I can open it in Goodreader or uh, probably lots of things. From sure. my, from my, I, from, uh, I, I think of it as my iDisk because really my Dropbox has become what my iDisk should have been. You know, the perfect yeah. place to put stuff in the cloud for everybody, for all of my machines. Anyway, I can read and take notes and I do that. 
if I'm stuck away and I've got my iPad with me and I feel like I need to work, I'll go through and make some notes and then I'll come back and actually put the notes into the Word document. Make notes in what? On what? Like on pen and paper or it in dep- another app? It, it depends what I'm doing. If I'm, if, if I'm away and I have nothing else, I will do it on pen and paper because otherwise I have to keep switching apps. I have to you switch just get a to something on the iPad. <laughs> I, I carry little field notes, uh, <laughs> yeah. notebooks with me all the time. So you know, I'll just make notes to myself and then come back and fix the file. But at least I can look at them when I'm away. I wish I could open them and edit them on the iPad because then I could start thinking about how not to have a laptop. But for a well, while, I, that's not going to happen for me for a couple more years. Yeah, I've kind of run the gamut on it, and I've I've gone back and forth. Uh, with the um, when we recorded the Merlin Man show, I think I had stated at the time that I just got to the point where I was really only adding content uh, for a writing project on Scrivener on the Mac. I wasn't doing it on the iPad anymore, or I would write it as a one-way thing. I just write a text file on the iPad and send it into Scrivener, but I wouldn't sync the file. Um, since then, I've been syncing my Scrivener file with this uh, Notesy app. You know, just does a Dropbox sync. Like there's so many of them that do it, but I like Notesy, and uh, it's actually really good. I've got now 70,000 words in this book project right now. It's not done yet, but it's all synced over to my iPad. And, and I was getting an oil change the other day, and I proofread the uh, the uh, Task App you know, chapter because Apple went in and released a Task App for the iPad. So now I've got to add that into the book. So uh, it's all synced perfectly, and I'm really happy with that. So uh, – uh, there's hope. I wish, I wish, I wish. I can't. I, I have to take my MacBook Pro with me if I have to do any editing or writing. And, and you know what? It really, it, even if the word issue didn't exist, I'd still need a computer because I have to run Photoshop and I have to do screenshots and crop and edit. And I have to, uh, I do a lot of compositing when I do screenshots. It's like there are things that I don't want to have to set up over and over again. So I'll set them up yeah. once and then fake it in photoshop and you know i've been doing it long enough that nobody ever notices no i don't make big mistakes i don't make i don't do big work but i do edit almost every image in some way in some image editor so even just switching back and forth from writing to image editing on the ipad right now would be uncomfortable I'm 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 a MacBook Pro. I'm, I'm going to have to take it with me unless I don't have real writing to do. I could write a column on my iPad, no problem, and I can write just about anything first draft on the iPad. It's working with something that I've started in Word that I can't really do because I screw up the tracking changes and stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I talk big talk, and I've got all these workflows and everything I do, but I suspect. At the end of the day, you're probably faster at this stuff than I am anyway. You know, you're the smart one just saying, okay, I'm sticking with one app. I'm going to get it written and get it turned in. Whereas I'm goofing around with syncs and copying and pasting and setting formats. I, one of my, one sure of my, this, yeah. <laughs> one of the I'm things sorry. I learned over the years is I, I try to spend productive time on the stuff that matters because I'll get hung up on, oh, I could write a macro to do this. And three hours later, I've written a macro that's going to save me a minute every time I use it once a day. So it's going to take me 17 years to recover the time it took to write it yeah. by saving a minute a day. But I couldn't go on with my work till I finished, you know. 
So yeah. I, I, I tend not to. I, I have a thing called Pomodoro. Mm-hmm. It's a little timer. I, t- I tell it 25 minutes and it ticks. And I tell myself I'm not moving my ass out of the chair until the 25-minute the buzzer goes off. And I'm not moving out a word. And I use uh, either, I, I've got a couple apps that blur everything except the foreground app. <laughs> um, I, you know, I do all these things to stay focused and on task on the writing because I'll, get, I'll, find, you know, I'll go do some research on the internet and an hour later I won't have written another word. And I, you can't really do that if you're in the crunch on a deadline. They won't wait. You know, if they book press time for your book, you better finish on time. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, you know I've, Bob, I've that's why I wanted to have myself. you on. You know, you got <laughs> 60 of these things under your belt. So you should, <laughs> there's, there's not much, I doubt there's many more people in, in our world who would know more about how to get that done. Well, one of my, one of my secrets is I have a 16 gigabyte, 16 gigs of RAM, Four internal hard disks, eight processor Mac Pro with two, with a 30 inch and a 24 inch display, and that's my main work setup. And that's perfect for writing books. That gives you a place to do your graphics. It gives you a place to write and a place for everything else you might want to leave open and running, and and still have plenty of RAM and screen real estate. So that's wild. I try really yeah. hard. That's like a video processing rig there. <laughs> I can do video, and in fact, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, as soon as I get my hands on the new Final Cut, I think I'm going to work on a pilot for a new TV show I want to do. I want to do oh, TV hey. next. I, I listened to that guy, uh, David Wayne, and he got, he got the bug in me. You know, I, I, took screenwriting classes when I, I took screenwriting classes when I was like in my 20s, and I always thought someday when I have made enough money writing tech books, I'll write a screenplay or a novel. And, you know, I've been saying this for 30 years. And, uh, of course, I haven't even started one because I don't have the time. If I'm sitting at the computer with my fingers on the keyboard, I'm writing something for something I'm getting paid for. (laughs) And when I'm done, I don't feel like sitting there thinking of, of you know, creatures to write about or whatever. I I, want to get away from the computer as fast as I can. But someday I would sure love to be able to sit down and, and, you know, just write for the for the sheer pleasure of writing with no deadline and no uh no agenda you know with a book i know how many pages and basically what i have to cover and then it's like a puzzle then it's like you know how do i arrange it to fit well bob you got that pomodoro thing man just give one pomodoro ticket day to that project think ah it's easier than it sounds see if i got that extra pomodoro tick i want to take zeke for a walk or maybe all right well, call my gotta, kids yeah. you know it's like i don't have enough hours in the day is the thing if i had an extra pomodoro i'd go to the club more yeah oh i, I relate exercise. brother i tell you right now I, i'm in the midst of this ipad book which is as you said earlier ipad books you don't have a lot of time you need to get them done and out and yes. i'm i got a trial going at work and i got the kids and it's like yep. oh my goodness this next month i I just told a lot of people, I just plan on me breaking commitments for the next month, and then I promise I'll make it up to you afterwards. I tell people that all the time. I say, when I'm in production on a book and there's heavy deadlines, don't expect to see me. Don't expect me to be polite on the phone. I don't answer my phone when I'm writing. I turn it off. 
because um, it'll distract me, and I don't keep any chat windows open, and I don't like I don't run iChat or Skype. Actually, I run Skype because the consulting business has a Skype phone, and if nobody else is around, I have to answer the phone. Maybe. All right, let's take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor, Smile, and their product, Text Expander. You know, David, I thought I was Text Expander guru. I've been using it for quite some time, and I love it, obviously. But Text Expander uh, recently was the feature of a new Take Control ebook, and I am just amazed at how much I have learned from this ebook. Have you seen it? Heard of it, and I haven't seen it. Oh, you've got to pick up this ebook. It's ten dollars. You can buy it through the smilesoftware.com slash text expander website. And it talks all about best practices for text expansion creation. It gives you some tips and some tricks for how to organize your snippets, um, how to make the most out of your text expander snippets. And I've really found some neat tips that I've I've put into practice with my text expander workflow. And I found that I'm using text expander even more now in an even more productive way. Um, just from perusing through this book. It's 93 pages. It's packed full of content. You can skip around because it's got a nice table of contents. Uh, but the folks over at the Take Control series did an excellent job, uh, and you can find all information about that over at smilesoftware.com. Text Expander is available for $34.95, either direct from Smile or on the Mac App Store. And as always, there is a free trial available. And do they cover the shell scripts in that book? They do. Oh, man, I'm going to get a copy. <laughs> That's one of the killer features. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, Smile, for supporting the Mac Power users. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about how you how you manage all these commitments. That, that may be a good segue into task management and calendaring. And I mean, do you just get so deep in that you just do it? And you don't focus on anything else. Or when you're when you're not in the midst of time crunch, how do you keep all these balls in the air? Well, for a while, I was omni focusing. And then I things, I was a things thing, and then I uh, went to the, the uh, to-do list in, in uh, what's it called, busy to-do. Yeah. And right now I'm using busy to-do because I have no projects that are, uh, you know, I, I've actually for a long time had a getting things done set up with a drawer full of real folders and stuff, you know, and, and I, I believed in it. And today I kind of have a uh, modified approach where I have a list of things to do. And I order it. You know, I drag them into the order of importance to me. And I try to do the first two or three every day. (laughs) And if I can do six, that's great. And if I have 15 minutes and there's a couple of easy ones down at the bottom that won't take much time, I do them. But I've found that I spent more time playing around with... um, programs like OmniFocus, just, you know, organizing and creating projects and creating categories and, and uh, places. And, oh, look, the shopping thing actually knows when I'm at HEB. So I'm going to start using it for my grocery lists. And, and I ended up wasting a lot of time just having my life in perfect order. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I swear, people come it up was to overkill me. for me. Because I talk about OmniFocus a lot, and I'm really into it. And it's just because the cha- general chaos of my life. And the people are almost apologetic to me, saying, well, I, you know, I tried it, but it's just too much. I'm like, I, I get that. I, I think your task management app should be as complex as you need it and not a single bit more complex than that. And you know, if you can get away with uh, 
a paper napkin, or if you get away with just the iCal to do's, then God bless you. Just do it. You know, believe it or not, after a lot of, you know, I'm very fortunate in that I got to evaluate all that stuff. Um, and, and review some of it, actually. And so I got to, you know, not just try one, but I tried a bunch of them. I've tried probably six or seven different getting things done, including the one that ran inside of Omni Outliner. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I've tried all this stuff, and for me, because I, I really have a pretty simple life now, my, my kids are both grown. You know, they're both... My, my son goes off to college in the fall, and my daughter is, uh, has been... She graduated a couple years ago, so she's out on her own. My wife knows not to bother me when the door's closed. And, and so I, my life isn't that complicated. I've got family commitments, I guess, once in a while, and I've got writing commitments, and that's about it. So if I look at my list of things to do, and one of them is finish chapter four today then that goes first. And if there's anything else that can't wait, I'll do it. But everything else can wait. And that's kind of how I am when I'm in production on a book. And then when I get to the end, like this week, I've got a list of like 30 people I need to call back and email piled up in my folder called later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I'm a zero inbox guy. I like to have my inbox empty. That tells me that I've accomplished all the things that absolutely had to be taken care of. And if it doesn't have to be taken care of today, I like to put it somewhere else. So I've got a very big later folder. Some of the stuff I just leave there until it becomes unimportant and I can delete it. You know, Oh, gee, that person probably doesn't even remember me anymore. I'll just delete them. It's, um, yeah. Are you I don't using have, mail or are you using a entourage, not entourage, uh, Outlook? No, mail. Okay. I also, because I write, you know, Mac OS 10 for dummies, I kind of like to eat my own dog food. And so unless I really couldn't do my work using uh, mail and, and Cal and iCal, well, I'm actually using BusyCal now, but it uses the iCal back end. So sure. I, I'm still technically using iCal. Uh, but mostly I like to use the Apple stuff unless there's, you know, unless I absolutely can't. And so far with Mac OS X, I'm okay with it. Like, I use Safari most of the time. I've got other browsers, and I use them when, when it's appropriate, but most of the time I don't have a problem with any of the Apple stuff. And using it, it, it it's kind of like I'm always doing research. Yeah. If I'm working in Aperture with my own photos on my own time doing family photos, I'm also doing research for if I write something about Aperture in the future. So... So, Bob, when we were at Macworld, you were talking about trying Dragon Dictate. Did you ever give it a yeah. shot? Haven't yet. Still, still hope to. And in fact, if it weren't for the fact that I know I'm coming up on two more book updates, I would say this would be the time because it is on my list. And I met, I met a really nice guy uh, who gave me a demo and gave me his card. And I mean, he, he's dying to hook me up, but I, I'm not ready. I don't have the time. And I know how much time it takes. I know I have to, you know, train it with my lips and not my fingers. And that for me is I have to put aside time when I can do that. I can't do any real work while I'm trying to correct my mistakes with my voice. But yeah, I think I, now, I think now maybe I could do it. From what I hear from you and David Pogue and just other people that use the product, it's gotten to the point where if you take the time to uh you know, integrate with it properly, uh, it can be good, and I'd love, 
I'd love to pace around the room and speak and have it show up in word. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get a Bluetooth headset for that. Otherwise, you'll be, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. By the, cord. definitely. The, the thing you'll find is, number one, is, is training the program is going to take a lot less time than you expect it's going to take. Uh, but training yourself to dictate mm-hmm. when you've been typing for 20 years is going to be a little different because you've got to kind of form the sentences in your brain. You can't just start typing. Because sometimes I know when I type, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going when I start typing. And I kind of get there along the way. Whereas when you're dictating, you've got to kind of have the, the sentence at least as the minimum unit kind of developed in your brain and, and speak it out. Uh, but uh, if you do try it, I recommend that you don't get hung up. And this is particularly true with the Mac version because I think they're not as strong on the editing tools as they are on the Windows version. But even on the Windows version, I do this. Um, just get the text in and don't worry about going back and correcting anything. Just, just you know, barf it out, for lack of a better term, and get get the text in there and then sit down with your keyboard and go back and massage it a little bit. That's what I was thinking, and I could do that. And I'm getting used to... Uh thinking before I speak because I use dragon dictation on my iPhone all the time. Yeah, the, you know, a, mm-hmm. I wish, I wish there was a, I wish there was a button on it that said, email that to myself because that's all I ever do with it is make notes and email them to myself. Yeah. I think you'll see it in, in future versions of iOS, if not this one, I, I was I, dis- on I was really disappointed. Uh, the one thing that I I wanted, I know it's great, all these great iOS five features, but I was really hoping that we'd get more voice integration. That was the one thing I was a little disappointed about. I don't I'm know. So I don't sure use it. Yeah, yeah, I don't use it that much on on the iPhone. I have too many. You know, I tried to use voice dialing, but it turns out I have so many contacts with similar names and. Everybody has five phone numbers now. And by the time I've said everything I have to say and gotten it right, I could stop, pull the car over, tap a couple times, and be on the phone with them. It just doesn't seem like they're ready for prime time, voice dialing. Um, but I find that I find that a dragon dictate is it dictation or di- yeah, dictation it is almost flawless, even with proper names. Yeah. Well, it looks at your address book, I believe, if memory serves. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but so should, should isn't that what isn't that what voice dialing is doing? It's looking in your address book. <laughs> yeah, yeah it just but I think people do were upset because Dragon oh. was uploading some information to a server so it could analyze it and, and everybody freaked out about that for a while. It asks you now and it's really it Well yeah, I'll bet you it a does. beer, Bob, that uh, once you get going on Dragon Dictate, you're gonna call me up and say, You know what, I wish I'd done this a little bit earlier. Because I find it's the it's it's a saving grace for me as I'm trying to get through all this stuff. Because I got the law practice during the day and the book at the night, and and if I didn't have the ability to get text in fast, uh, there's no way I would be able to keep up with it all. Well, I'm a pretty fast how, typist, Bob. How many hours a day, ballpark? You think you spend in front of your Mac on the keyboard pounding away? I'd probably spend five Eight, or six. No, I oh. think I think five or six typing, but. I force myself to get up and, you know, get out of the chair every once in a while. Like, I make myself, even when I'm not going to eat lunch, get up and take a half hour away from the desk. I'll go read a book. I'll go watch TV. I'll go sit on the back deck. I'll take the dog for a walk. But I I won't sit in here for eight or nine hours straight anymore. 
Um, I, my days are usually eight or nine or ten hours, but I try to intersperse life with work. You know, I'll go out and I'll pick up pick up groceries, or I'll um, I'll uh, go shopping for shirts and take okay. an hour out of my day. And you know, I probably put you, in. You have on the internet now. Some of it, yeah. <laughs> some of it. It depends if you want to try stuff on. Yeah. Um, well, because we've we've been discussing a lot with with line coming out the gestures and the multi touch and David and I I think we were talking on the Mac Roundtable recently. I I think I suffer from some RSI issues and I know David does a little bit as well. I just don't know that physically I could I could bang out sixty books like that without using tools like David was talking about like like Dragon. I mean, do you have we we had a listener email us and ask us this question? I mean, do you have a favorite keyboard and a mouse? Yes. And, and what do you what yes. do you do that that helps that? Absolutely have a favorite keyboard, and I, I attribute a lot of my non-RSI issues to using a good ergonomic keyboard. I use the Microsoft Ergonomic Keyboard 4000, which is a Windows keyboard, but it's got some, the keys in the middle are very big for my bigger index fingers, and the uh, rows are angled, and it, it just fits my hands very naturally. It's got a built-in palm rest. It's just comfortable. And is that so, wired? Wired yeah, keyboard. it's a wired keyboard, and yeah. I'm perfectly happy with that. My mouse is the um, Performance MX, the Logitech high-performance mouse with nine buttons and the super-duper scroll wheel that, you know, just it, it, if you scroll slow, it goes slow. If you flick it, it goes through 100 pages in two seconds. And, Yours and has so, nine buttons? Let's see. Hold on. One, two, three, One, two, four, three five, no, four. Five, six, seven, eight. Eight this is buttons. Great radio. Eight <laughs> okay. buttons. Eight buttons. And I use them all. I love having all right. forward and back buttons on my mouse. It's like, how many times do you either use the keyboard shortcut or click an arrow to go forward or back in a browser, in the finder, even in uh, system preferences? And so having that on the keyboard, it's a no brainer. I don't even think about it. It just, you know, track back through what I just did in every program. Having a mouse now, are you with using the Logitech software to manage that, or are you using yes. uh, Apple's built-in? Yeah. No, I'm using Logitech's, and it's fine. Okay, let's take a quick break and talk about our second sponsor, One Password. One Password has been busy, David. They just released version 3.5 of One Password that includes support for Lion, because you know Lion's just around the corner, um, as well as support for the new Firefox Five. I can't believe there's a new Firefox already. I've been using the Lion support on the uh, the Lion beta and it looks great. So the day one, you know, you get your new Lion installed, you're good to go. That's good because if one password wasn't ready for Lion, that might have been one thing that would have kept me from upgrading day one. Yeah. Well, it's a great app. It gives you a password system uh, to beat all password systems. It creates secure passwords for you and it keeps track of them for you. The price is $40. You can get a family license for 5 for $70. You can get a hybrid version for $15 uh, on your iOS that gets both the iPhone and the iPad, or you can get just the iPad or the iPhone version for $10. And if you, you know, use I, the link on our website, David, you can save 20% on any of the desktop versions of the software. Yeah, and that's in the show notes. I had somebody uh, giving me a lip on the Max Varkey blog recently in one of my uh, posts saying, yeah, you know, you should have secure passwords, but you, know, you can't do that because you can't keep track of them all. So that, you Here's know, the solution. Left. Left me wide open. Uh, one password is the way to get it done, and we thank them for sponsoring the show. So, Bob, tell me this: uh, you talked a lot about your Mac. You haven't said much about your iPad. How do you use oh, that? 
Um, I use it to play Real Racing 2 on my HDTV, which is superb. That's really fun. Priorities. Yeah. Yep. And uh, what else do I do? I uh, play a little poker. Um, I read a lot. I, I actually read a real lot. I have a lot of Instapaper stuff that I stack up um, that I read on the iPad when I have time. And I lately have been reading books on the iPad because I like having it with me. It gives me options rather than lugging a book around. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reader. I, I, until recently, didn't go pretty much anywhere without a book just in case I had some downtime and had a chance to read. And now it's more my, my iPad. I've got all my reading material on there and not so much. Much as I love the feel of a hardcover book and, you know, opening it for the first time and looking at the dust jacket, I, I've, I've grown to really like reading on my iPad, so I read a lot. I do a lot of web surfing on it. Um, we do a lot of... Uh, what I would call home-associated tasks, for example. All my recipes are in my Dropbox, and that means that I can take the iPad in the kitchen and cook anything okay. I know how to cook real easily. Um, I've got um, all of... I've got lots of stuff on there. got a couple movies. I, it's just it's my time, uh, time filler. If I've got time and I'm away... I'll have it with me, and there'll be something on there, either work or play, that I can do. So that's kind of how it fits into my life. And at home, it's like it sits, it sits wherever I am and gets called upon when there's an emergency, like, what's that actor's name? I know that guy, right? Yeah. IMDb for the win. That's right. My wife and I grab for the, we both grab for the iPad to look it up. Uh, iBooks, Kindle, what are, what are you using? I'm using iBooks. Um I don't read in the sun too much or bright light. I think if I did, well, I meant I meant the app. Oh, but yeah, anyway. no. Uh, it just you know what I'm. I am firmly in the Apple ecosystem. Um, I buy my stuff for the most part at the Apple Store. Although I buy stuff from Amazon, like music. I compare when I'm ready to buy an album. If it's three bucks cheaper at Amazon, I buy it at Amazon. I think maybe mm-hmm. the quality might be a little better, but who knows. Anyway, um, for books, I haven't really, it just, I have a Kindle account. I have the Kindle app. I probably bought a couple things just to look, but I, I don't know. I've never found anything I needed that I couldn't get at the iTunes iBook store, and it's the same price. If there were price difference, I'd buy from whoever had the better deal. Yeah, I, and I admit I've, the, earlier days of the, of the iPad, I was having trouble finding content in the iBook store and I got, you know, kind of moved over to the Kindle system and have, have stayed there. Well, there's certainly more selection, but um, the truth is I haven't, I, I have yet to walk in there with a book in mind and have to go buy it somewhere else. Right. Now, I have to say some of my books aren't available yet, so, but I don't buy my own books. I, I can see how Amazon has a way. I love Amazon too. You know, I just think it's the greatest thing ever invented. I'm Amazon Prime. I probably buy something at least once a week to get my money's worth out of that Prime thing. Isn't that sick? I mean, I'm just going to have to spend more to get my money's worth. Yeah, they they're pretty smart about that, aren't they? Oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, every time I order something, I think of that. It's like, oh, good, look, I can get it tomorrow. Uh-huh. See, I just never order anything that's under 25 bucks, so I always get free shipping. But I guess it's the get it tomorrow, the next day part. Well, and it's the, it's the I don't have to add something to make it to 25 bucks. If I want one book, they'll send it to me overnight for free. And a lot of times... I'm I'm at the 15 or, you know, what's a book? 15, $20. It's not 25. I got to either come up with a second book or find something else. But with Prime, I don't even think about it. If I need something, the first place I look is Amazon because the price I see is the price I pay and it'll be here day after tomorrow or tomorrow maybe. If you order so early like, enough in the morning. But, you know, so just kind of looking back on your tools for writing, uh, you know, you just, you start and you end with Word, right? I mean, that's pretty much it. I use Spellcatcher. Um, what's, which what's I, I spellcatcher is a spelling, grammar, and it's an interactive grammar spelling checker thesaurus. It, it really duplicates a lot of the functionality of the Coco uh, spell checker. But what what I like is a I have one dictionary that works in all my programs, so all of my proper names and stuff I just have to spell right once. Um, not keep entering them into Microsoft's dictionary and Apple's dictionary and whatever. Um, and, and also it does, um, and I love the people at Smile, and I really, I, I would probably use uh, Text Expander if that functionality weren't built into Spellcatcher. And so Spellcatcher yeah. gives me one program that, A, interactive spell checking with audio alerts, which I like, Second, pop-up lists of uh, word selections that are, I think, a lot nicer than the Apple ones. I can select them with a key, keystroke. Um, and third, it's my uh, exceptions dictionary, and it goes with me in all my programs, in mail, and if I'm typing in a form in Safari, all the stuff that, you know, all of my shortcuts, all of my uh, funny spellings, all of the things that I have it correct that I spell wrong all the time, like T-A-H-T, all that stuff is built in, and I've just used it for so long, it doesn't make sense to stop and switch to uh, Text Expander, even though there's no component for it on the iPhone. And I'm thinking more and more, I'm going to have to try that because it sounds awesome. It sounds like Apple's building some of that functionality in the iPhone, although we'll see how it's implemented. We'll see. But that's one of the things is I've got, you know, uh, so if I type um, X, o, o, X, O, S, X all together without the space, mm-hmm. it'll type out Mac OS X Lion for Dummies. And yeah. if I type IPD, it'll type iPhone for Dummies 4th Edition. And all that stuff is built in. I wish I could get it on my iPhone because those are things I type in mail at least all the time. People well, are just always get text asking. Expander touch. You can do that. Well, yes, I could. But I'm going to switch the whole thing or nothing. I'm going to get it I'm going to get it running everywhere so I can move all of my shortcuts which aren't called snippets under under uh spellcatcher. They're called expansions. <laughs> but well, I'm going to I'm thinking I'm thinking maybe it would make sense because I do want that functionality on my iPhone. I'm waiting to see how the I, the iOS 5 stuff works before I make a decision. So, so, Bob, what's the rest of your Apple gear? I've got Blue Sky Studio monitors on my desk. Uh, I do a lot of audio recording just for fun. Um, yeah. I've got about, let's see, there's four hard disks inside my computer, and then five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
nine, nine hard disks visible. <laughs> I think there's 10 hooked up. And, and I'm always testing backup systems, so I've got different backup systems running to different disks. I'm testing Dolly Drive now, which is a time machine kind of thing, to um, back up to the cloud with a time machine interface, which is pretty cool. And I, I'm a big fan of CrashPlan. Um, CrashPlan yep. is what I'm using for my real, real backups along with um, Time Machine. And I'm also testing uh, ChronoSync for syncs, which I, I, I like a lot. I haven't found anything I like better for synchronizing folders between two machines, which I do pretty often because I've got two machines. <laughs> yeah. Most of that stuff gets done by uh, Dropbox, but, you know, that. I only have so much Dropbox storage. I guess I could pay for more, but I haven't even filled up my 10 gigabytes yet. Okay. Then you don't need it. Not yet. I need to organize my, I need to organize my finder, my uh, home folder better, I guess. <laughs> I got to put some more stuff in there. Well, I, I kind of like that. Symbolic links. And I know, I know. I've got a couple of sim links I should stick in there. Because I'm looking, I've only used up four of my 10 gigabytes right now. And you got the extra eight from just referrals? Oh, yeah. I put out an email to everybody I know and said... Oh, you're one of those people. Hey, all my friends. And I said, look, you will love this. <laughs> I mean, if you've got an <laughs> yeah. iPhone and a Mac you're, or an iPhone and a computer, you're going to love this. Because it's yeah. like magic. You know, I don't even think about it anymore. Stuff that I need is on my phone. Just like that. You know, I don't have to sync it. I don't have to think about it. If it's in the right folder, which I try real hard to, you know, do from the start, then I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my iPad. I've got it on my laptop. And I've got it on any computer I want to get it on. Just because it's somewhat timely, are you worried about the security issues? I'm not running antivirus stuff yet. Um, but I'm at the point now where when I get back, um, I'm taking a few days off but after after my little hiatus i'm going to start testing antivirus solutions not because i want to run one but because i think at some point i may have to recommend them to some people mm-hmm. and so I, I just haven't run them in a long time and i'm going to check them out i don't know um from what i hear actually i just saw there's a software update that i was afraid to install before this podcast because that's one of my rules is i never do updates like that when I'm on deadline or in production on something? Oh, uh, let me go install it while we're recording. I, what was I, it now? <laughs> I, I was afraid. No, I was afraid. Okay, it says it restarts required. Just my luck. I'll restart and it'll go. Sorry, you know. Yeah. No, it's five minutes to eight, and it's telling me you've got a kernel panic from this update. Yeah. All right. That didn't really happen, listeners. I was kidding. I was hy- hypothesizing. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I'm going to do it after. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. I'll see, if it kills my system, I'll let you know. Okay, let's take one more break to thank our third sponsor, and that is Objective Development and their product, LaunchBar. You know, David, one of the features that I use of LaunchBar all the time is that it integrates in with address book. So if I want to send you an email, for example, instead of taking the steps to open Apple Mail, even though it's very easy with LaunchBar, you know, start typing your name, you know, go and select make a new message, start typing your name in the to field, 
All I do is I hit my launch bar activation key code and I start typing your name and immediately your address book information pops up. I left arrow over or right arrow over to your name, your email address, I hit enter and boom, a new email address, our new email message pops up with your address ready to go. Yeah. And this is one of the features about LaunchBar that I like better than my old beloved Quicksilver is that when you display a number, it tells you whether it's the mobile number or the home number. It does a better job of putting the information on the screen. Um, when you want to make a phone call and you're across the room, like at my office, the way things are situated, I use LaunchBar all the time to put phone numbers up on my, my Mac screen so I can see the number when I walk across the room to pick up the phone. Just a great feature. That's right. It blows the number up big and bold so you can see it anywhere. LaunchBar is available uh, from Objective Development at obdev.at. You can find a link to that in our show notes. A single user license of LaunchBar will cost you $35. A family license is $59. And upgrades, if you own a previous version, start at $14. It is a must-have product that will save you a ton of time when using your Mac. Worth every penny, and thank you, Objective Development, for supporting the podcast. You give a lot of advice to a lot of people, not just through your books and through your columns, but that's kind of another part of your 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 job, your gig. You, you've got this consulting business set up where not just you, but it sounds like some other folks are working for you as well. How does, you know, without giving away, you know, too much insider information, how, how does that work? It works great. I mean, this is, a, this is an idea that I had a long time ago before it was technically uh, really feasible because I, I wanted to be decentralized completely. I, I didn't want there to be a home office. I wanted there to be uh, the best tech support, the best tech reps, the best agents I could find in America that could work in their spare time. And so the whole idea was, I knew a lot of people who are good troubleshooters like me, who are geeks, and who do this you know, as either their living or as a part-time part of their living. And it's very difficult to get someone to come to your house, first of all, and second of all, a lot of people don't want someone coming to their house. And third of all, for a long time, the kind of people you could get to come to your house to mess with your computer weren't the kind of people that you probably wanted in your house. So we decided it would be great if we could offer people the support remotely. And this was, this was in the days when um, I think Timbuktu was state-of-the-art. There was no uh, um, go-to-meetings and there was no... Um, what's the, my kids use the other one. You guys were talking Team about Hewer, it last Logman? week. Logman. There, none of that stuff existed. And so we started using a customized version of Timbuktu Remote. And it was horrible and they were the worst company in the world and they went out of business and it, it serves them right. Um, then we went and found a custom solution. And the people we found it from, I'm not, I'm happy to give them a plug actually. Um, it's a product called Mac Helpmate. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's it's kind of been Mm-mm. kind of been low key. Um, it's it's free actually. You guys you can go download a copy, and there's a lot of things you could do with it without involving us. It's a a software that has like 200 maintenance tools in it. A lot of the things that we do, we're able to do by uh, just instructing our software to do it. You know cleaning out caches or uh, checking for corrupted preference files. There's, there's all this. Uh, if you download a copy, I'll send you guys a link. But it's made by a company in Chicago called Mac Workshops. And it's zero, you know, zero configuration. 
Uh, their back end does all of the tunneling for us, and we've pretty much never had problems connecting, assuming the client's internet connection is up. <laughs> Sometimes we get clients who send an email and say, by the way, I'm sending this from the library, so I don't know how you'll reply to me. And they don't put their phone number in. So we have trouble if they don't have internet. If they don't have internet, we're kind of... Uh, we, we can work blind, and sometimes we do. The thing is, we, we found that a lot of the people who did this um, in real time, in real life, had a two-hour minimum charged for travel. And we wanted to figure out, you know, most, most troubleshooting, we're, my, my guys and girls are good. And usually, uh, if it's something routine, they can fix it in 15 minutes or less. And we wanted to be able to let people buy 15 minutes worth of help. Um, so we, we have quarter hour, you know, uh, we sell in quarter hour increments. We give you an estimate before we start, and it's a not to exceed. So if we say 45 minutes, if it takes us two hours, you still pay for 45 minutes. And if we don't fix it, you pay nothing. And that's the other thing that, that you know, I was, when we started this, that was in my list of things that had to be. If we don't fix it, I don't want to get paid. I shouldn't get paid. I tell you I can fix it and I don't uh, you know I mean it's my fault not your fault yeah I, sometimes though I know I do a little troubleshooting locally for folks and a, a lot of times you, you get bad information well no that's not really what it's doing so I'm guessing you do some investigation before you make a commitment like that yes and if you read the fine print it says you know if you tell us it's an X and instead we find that your cat has been puking hairballs into your Mac we are yeah. not going to honor the commitment. You know, it's like you got to tell right. us straight. But if, if, if you tell us that Safari is crashing every time you launch it and you've done this, this, and this, and it didn't fix it, we can say with pretty good confidence we can fix that in 30 minutes or less. And 99% of the time we will. So, you know, people don't have to pay for an hour or an hour plus travel time. They don't have to wait for somebody to be ready. Um, somebody to be available to come over. You know, we we tend to uh, get back to our clients. You know, within a few hours, most of the time. Um, sometimes immediately. Just depends how many how many people are around and how busy we are. I love this business though because I I, I just I have to research lots and lots of different. Uh, problems people have and it's always good for me it's like I, I i never stop learning and researching these issues for people i i it never ceases to amaze me how many little tidbits i pick up along the way by accident and i just wish i could remember everything i've ever learned yeah. i'm trying i'm trying to use yojimbo to store all that stuff but so far it's just a big pile of stuff <laughs> It's well, not very start, organized. Though, right? yeah, it's a start. That's right. I've got a thousand items in there. I hopefully I won't forget those thousand items. Well, that maybe maybe that'd be book sixty-one. Bob's Yojimbo database. Just go <laughs> through it. <laughs> I probably Max, should go through. I, I probably should go through and throw some stuff away. <laughs> There's probably lots of stuff in there that's outdated. Well, well, Bob, I have to say, I've always been a fan of the stuff you've done. I mean, you've written some great books over the years. Um, uh, when you told me at Macworld, you recognized my voice, and you said, oh, yeah, I listened to your show. I, it just made my day when I heard that. And, it did. Yeah. Oh. And, um, 
Gosh, I really do too, and always have for a long time. I, I only have time for a handful. I'll, I, I have to apologize to some of the podcasts I don't get to listen to, but you guys and Mac Geek Gab are, are the two I just refuse to miss. Yeah, gotta hear well, you Dave. guys. When I get done with you, I might listen to something else, but I have to get. Well, that means a lot. Yeah. Thank you. You guys Dave are great. I love great your work. shows. Yeah, they, yeah. There's, they're great too. Yeah. And I, I, re- I always remember watching you that one year you wore that uh, sh- uh, T-shirt to – you were in the Macworld All-Star Band. You had this shirt that lit up with the, with the bars on the oh, sound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's a Think Geek shirt, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, all, is, it is. And all night the, the meter was pegged the whole way. I, I thought the shirt lit up. I didn't realize that it was like sensitive to the sound because it was so loud in there that it never went down. And I had the sensitivity down to the absolute lowest it could go. You yeah. know, there's a, it has a little battery pouch with a dial on it. So I turned it all the way as low as it could go, and it was still pegged the whole time. What would happen was when the band would stop, there'd be a second where you'd see the meters dance for a minute. And then as soon as, as, soon as we were playing, it was so loud, it just flatlined. It, it, they have cool stuff, Think Geek. I buy a lot of gifts there for my geeky friends. Yeah. Bob, we've, we've kept you for about an hour now, but give us a couple of quick picks what haven't we talked about that that you just can't live without either on your Mac or your iPad or your iPhone? I mean, if if people here can get a couple of things out of this podcast that we haven't had an opportunity to hit, what are your favorite things they've got to go check out that make and how do they make your life easier? Okay, this doesn't make your life easier, but it makes the quality of your life better. iPhones, okay. iPhones and iPods, not iPads because they don't even come with a headset, but all of Apple stuff that comes with a headset. I'm sad to say the headset sucks. It's the worst. It is. I, I just. It's not worthy of Apple. Apple could do better. And, and I don't know anybody whose ear canal is perfectly round. They're uncomfortable. They don't sound that good. The best thing you could do for yourself is replace them. My go-to earphones are ninety-nine dollars. They're Klipsch S4i, and it's the. The headset, I mean, I could listen to this thing all day long. If I had to talk on the phone for four or five hours, I'd be okay. If I had to listen to music and headphones for four or five hours, I'd be okay. These things are great. They're very neutral. They don't uh, color the music a lot. They sound great. Um, Oh, I think everybody should have some way of listening to their iDevice in the car. Uh, Either a FM transmitter at worst case or... A audio uh, auxiliary jack, if you can do it, or a car that's got native support for iPhones. Yep. Oh, here, here's something else I love. I love cases from Zero Chroma. I have a Zero Chroma case on my iPhone now, and I've reviewed, you know, I review a lot of cases for Mac Observer, especially when the phones first come out. And I probably reviewed a dozen iPhone 4 cases. And as soon as I was done reviewing one, I would take it off and put this Zero Chroma back on. It's got a little kickstand on the back that adjusts to 14 different angles, all different directions. Um, and once you get used to putting your iPhone down so that you can see it, you, you'll wonder how you ever got along without it. And it's durable, and it's thin, and it doesn't catch on your clothing, and it's good-looking, and it's got a bunch of smart features like the way they built the little opening for the flash keeps it from glaring into the lens like some cases. Um, just, you know, the, 
take a look, zerochroma.com. They have them for the iPhone, the I, iPad, not yet the iPad 2, but soon, and also the iPod Touch and some other phones. What's your favorite iPad app you're running these days? Anything new and exciting? I've been experimenting lately with a bunch of, like, not news readers, but kind of news, I don't know, like Flipboard and SkyGrid and Tweed. These are all different ways, I guess, of looking at either RSS or other uh, flows. Uh, Tweed is is Twitter. It, it, I guess, gives you amalgamated hashtag stuff. I haven't played with them that much, but I'm, I'm real fascinated with getting news and, and how to be effective and efficient, how to get all the news I want about all the things I want as efficiently as possible. One of the things I really like is, um, are you familiar with All Top, Guy Kawasaki's All Top? Sure. Yeah. So I create I created my own all top page with all my favorite websites on it, and that saves me a ton of time every day. I go there and I put my cursor over stories. I read the first like two sentences, and I go, okay, I don't need to read that. Don't need to read that. Don't need to read that. Read that. And then if I don't have time, I can just click my read later button, and it dumps it into uh, Instapaper, and I read it on the iPad on the run. So what's the difference between doing that and an RSS feed? Well, the thing about these is they, they kind of organize everything into... RSS feeds are just like a, a straight uh, flow of information from one location. I'm looking for... Uh, what do they call them? Amalgamators? Consolidators? I'm looking for ways to take all of that, all those streams, and extract what's interesting to me. You know, I'm looking for something that will let me open it up and see... The stories that I might have picked on my Alltop page. Or uh, since Alltop, I've got only tech stuff, I'm kind of interested in, like, you know, politics and world events. And, you know, I'd like to have the important stuff of that show up in, in this one app so that I didn't have to, like, go to 10 websites to get all my news or watch three TV shows. Or none of this stuff does it yet, but they're all interesting. Interesting ways of presenting. Um, material that you probably have seen in another form. And I love uh, Bill Atkinson's photo card. I send postcards, photo postcards all the time. If you haven't seen He's a it, nice guy. He is, isn't he? And the app is free, or you can buy the version with you know some, some free postcards. The postcards are gorgeous. And Bill is the nicest guy. And the nicest guy it. ever. Yeah. Yes, yes. Among other things, he did HyperCard also. Oh, that's right. He did HyperCard too. Not, not to yes. mention, not to mention uh, all of the all of the underlying quick draw that made Max work in the beginning. You know, yeah. things like that. It, yeah, for the listeners, uh, Bill Atkinson was a Apple employee back in the early days, and really was a key member of the Mac team. And now he's got some of his own apps for sale. The, and he's an amazing photographer. Some yeah. of his photography, I mean, I'm a photographer. I have an SLR. I like to take pictures. I studied it in school. I used to develop my own black and white and color film when I was younger. And so, you know, I have a real interest in this stuff. And he's good. I mean, he gets some images that are just astonishing. Very talented. Yeah, I, and the app I, is awesome. I don't think I'm telling tells. Was it 2000? 
10 Macworld, the iPad had been recently announced, but it wasn't out yet. And, you know, the Omni group had their fiberglass mock-ups. Everybody was running around Macworld obsessed with it. And I met Bill Atkinson in the speaker room and he says, oh yeah, it is really nice. I said, well, did you get your hands on one? So I'm thinking, you know, there's like a room somewhere that somebody's got one where if you, you know, have the right secret handshake, you can go in and touch one. He's like, well, they no, did. I saw it. I, I, I saw it at Steve's house. He says, <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, okay, I don't think I'm going to get in that room. One more app. And that is my, my very favorite. Maybe iPhone app is red laser. I never yeah. leave home without it. When I'm shopping for technology, uh, I am going to scan your barcode. In your store, like it or not, most of them like it now. Um, they realize that you know they've got to be competitive. In fact, uh, Fry's here, and I don't. I think maybe Fry's everywhere, but they'll match any price. You can like surf the web in the store and show it to them on your screen, and they they verify that it's a real price and they'll match it. Really, so I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't have a Fry's. Oh man, Fry's is Fry's a great store when you need something electronic for cheap. Well, well, Bob, you know, it's great having you on. And, um, you know, the thing I'm taking from this show is uh, your efficiency. I mean, the way you're just knocking these books out and uh, you're not getting hung up on all the tools and just getting it done. It's a lesson for all of us, really. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's born of uh, necessity. Yeah. You know, at well, some I, point I, you realize you got to do it. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come in and talk to us. And it was I just had so much fun talking to you this year at Macworld, and I do want you to follow up on that uh, Dragon Dictate thing. I think that would help you. I absolutely will. I absolutely will. And I will send you an email with, let me think, if, if I leave anything off, remind me, but I'll send you an email with links to some of the stuff I talked about, if I can find them, and the Gray the Screen app, if I can find it. Great. Sure. And I've been it writing disappeared. down this. So we'll have a good set of show notes between those two things. So it'll be great. All right. If you're listening, make sure to head over to the show notes and download them. And uh, you want to check out uh, your website. Is it now? You've got several websites. Actually, you have a blog. Uh, yeah, the blog hasn't been updated in a long time. It's that whole, um, you know, working, I'm working, working, working thing. So the blog, I can't remember the last time I wrote a blog post. Um, but... I do have boblevitas.com and whatever whatever's going on, you can find out there. You can sign up for my newsletter. We send out a newsletter about every couple of months with uh, some of my old columns and reviews and tips and hints and whatever whatever we got. You can sign up for that. It's free. And you're on the Twitter as well, I'm sure. Yes, Levitas, at okay. Levitas. Well, we will make sure um, to send everybody to check that out. And uh, thanks again for coming in, Bob. And I will hey, see so you much for uh, hopefully me. in January, right? Oh, yeah. At Macworld. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This was a kick. Uh, anytime. Uh, anytime. Anytime you're welcome back. Thank you. All right. Cool. Thanks, Bob. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, David. I think that's going to about wrap us up with uh, Bob, Dr. McLevitus. I think we've we've learned a few things about his workflow, and hopefully our listeners have found this informative as well. Yeah, Bob's a super guy. Um, so uh, I guess we should talk to people about how they can contact us. Yes, uh, you can uh, send us an email, feedback at macpowerusers.com. Right. You can also visit our website. That's at www.macpowerusers.com. There you you'll can find also- 
Oh. Yeah, you can also find us uh, on Twitter. It's uh, Mac Power Users, or Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Barkey. Right. Uh, we're also on Facebook, you know, facebook.com slash Mac Power Users. I wouldn't know anything about that. You wouldn't know anything about that. Um, we love iTunes comments. We've gotten a few great iTunes comments recently, so thank you to those of you who heeded my call for iTunes comments. But, of course, we can always use more. So if you have a, a free moment, uh, please take a moment to to pop by iTunes, write us a comment. That helps us our rankings uh, in iTunes. It helps get more views, and more views means more listeners, and more listeners is uh, more people who get to join in the fun. We'll have uh, feedback in the next show. We typically don't do feedback in these um, in these workflow sections, so we'll have lots of feedback. In the meantime, you can stick your feedback in the comments section uh, and and share in the discussion with everybody else. Thanks again to our sponsors: uh, Smile Software, One Password. Omni Group and Objective Developments Launch Bar for supporting Mac Power users, and we will see you next time. Oh, well, David, we forgot to tell them what's next. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll be even more feedback. Oh, that's right. Next episode is our Q&A episode, so uh, we've, we've got your feedback. Um, there may still be time by the time you hear this episode to send us some more, but if you've got a question that we haven't covered, or maybe it's not a topic that's, that's broad enough for us to cover an entire show on, send it to us, and, and we'll devote a section to it. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time.